Let's pray together before we go any further and get in, into these scriptures. Um, God, we, we're grateful. It's Easter Eve Eve, Sunday speaking, and we know what's coming. And we're looking forward to that. And we're grateful because we are on this wonderful side of human history where Christ has died and he has risen and we can be forgiven of our sins. So we pray that the scripture would just open wide um, to what you have for us so that we may know its truth and then not only know it, but live it out because it just bubbles and flows over. It springs forth from the deep wells of our soul so that we may help others to know the great gloriousness of Jesus Christ. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to John 13 as quick as you can. I want, I want to read the entire text in its whole, and then we're going to come back and look at some, some parts of it. But I really want you to kind of just dive in and understand all of John 13, verses 1 through 17. Um, as we get into this, um, we're in the, the passage of Scripture that, that talks about washing feet and um, what that means. The mature Christians are looking around, halfway panicked, to seeing if there's lots of towels and bowls of water around because they're like, oh no, have we been trapped into a foot washing service? Yes, the doors are locked. You cannot escape. No, we will not be doing foot washings, though, as it is for here. But if you've ever been part of one, that's just always in you. And um, I've been a part of a few foot washing services, and it is exactly how Scripture had divided. It does in you and for others exactly what we see here um, in the Scriptures as we go into it. But I, I want to read this passage um, uh, in this so we just kind of have the great big overview, then, then dive in before we even get to the one thing, before we even get into the context um, uh, I, I love my sound and video people upstairs and they're getting a big curveball right now. So here we go. Um, John 13, uh, 1 through 17. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come and now was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured the water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Love, Simon, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. I love this guy. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share in me. And then Simon Peter answered, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. All right? This guy's great. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean. Maybe one of the greatest things said to anyone in all of Scripture, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that is why he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 12. When he had washed their feet and, and put on his outer garments in his place, he sat down next to them and said, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Rare instance that Jesus does that there. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. 
If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. What a great holy word. So here's the one thing unshockingly. This is the one thing. Like Christ, we ought to. Like Christ, based on what this scripture says, like Christ, we ought to wash one another's feet. That's not what the scripture says. Yes, it is. Literally, he said that. He goes, the dummy's guide of Christianity and just tells you what is happening and what it means. That we are to wash one another's feet. We as Christians are to be selfless, serving messengers of Jesus Christ so that others may be saved and know that Jesus is Lord and teacher and know him as those things. Christ shows us, let me give you some context here. Let me just give you some context, right? Christ shows us how to love those in the world and love them to the end. In verse 1, we see that. You just, you're reading the pace of the scriptures, and then when it gets to verse 1, you just start to slow down because you feel the weight of that passage, and it just, the Spirit's like, ease up a little bit and really just get your feet into this passage of scripture. Verse 1, it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, what's the end? It's the cross. It's the, the tomb. It's the beard ripped out. It's the being made fun of. It's the guys gambling for his clothes. It's the crown of thorns. And he loved those that are his in the world, and he loved them to the end. I mean, man, that's incredible. To just know that Christ is thinking of you that way. Not just the 12, that does include Judas, but, but all of us, all the way to the end. No way trying to pump the brakes. No way trying to pull that out. The love of Christ is on full display and should be de- demonstrated by us the rest of our days so that we might embody what this scripture so counts. So his love for those who are in the world, he loves them all the way to the end. Then in verse three, you, say, you see his love remembered. You see his love remembered. He's like, look, this is what it's about. And it's at the end of that verse that he had come from God and was going back to God. But in between, in between, John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, basically the the last bit of John, those last like five chapters take take into account the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. So what's happening in between is he goes, look, I have come from God, Merry Christmas, and I'm returning to God, Happy Easter. And as he's going, he's, he's thinking those, but what has to happen in between? The humiliation of the cross to which he, he delves and he just goes headlong into, fully, willingly into that. And you know he knows what's on the other end, right? So he endures now what's to take place for him because he knows ultimately he's going back to God, which is a good lesson for all of us as Christians. We should endure now what we're doing and persevere because we know eventually what? We have also to come from God. He created us. And we're also to what? As Christians, returning back to him. So you see, this is really setting the stage of, of Christ's heart as it comes out. As, as Christ starts being represented in this for all of us to understand as he moves in to washing the disciples' feet. And don't forget, Judas is there too, and his feet get washed the same. I mean, it's just... We'll get to that later, but you, you better find your steel-toed boots right now because I'm going to be stepping on some toes when we find that. You'll be like, what? Then as we progress through Scripture, here's what we see, right? We know this is the great passage of, of, of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, which is just, it is, well, let's just take the response that happens 
to Christ, right, as he's going there. So he goes around. You know that, um, many of you probably already know that one of the lowliest household jobs that you could have in first century was washing feet. Even in this day and age, I would probably say most of you wouldn't even wash someone's feet, and we wear socks and bathe regularly. Now imagine you're in a camel-infested, no public sewer system, sandal open-toed wearing, walking everywhere you go with Jesus' world. And they're like, here. And you're like, no. Right? So now you're sitting there with the one who alone has the words of eternal life. To the one who's made the lame walk and the blind see, who you thought was a ghost as he walked across the water, Peter jumps out, walks, then drowns because he's Peter, and he goes, Jesus saves him because he's Jesus, pulls him back out, and this dude stands up from the supper. They had not had their feet washed. There was no serving room because it's just them and the 12. It's an intimate moment. No one else is around but these guys. Takes off his garment, puts it on, and starts washing their feet. Now you know there's murmuring going on. You know they're like, what in the world is happening here? And Jesus has got that towel around, so part of it he's getting all of that where they've been on his towel, but then he's drying with the other, then he comes to Peter, and Peter says what? You shall never wash my feet. No way, Jose. You are not touching my feet. This is the most menial of, of all things. Where this, is, this is, as the scripture says, this is before the feast of Passover. This is a high holy day. There's no way I'm letting you touch my feet and, and do this task. It is the worst thing that you could be assigned or made to do. And it is the exact same response that so many, two-thirds of our world have to Jesus when he comes around to cleanse them. No way are you going to cleanse my soul. No way am I going to let you forgive my sins. No way am I going to come in and receive the grace that you offer so freely and respond. Christ is coming every day to every person seeking to cleanse them who have not been found. And you, who are Christians, online and here in the room, have already been cleansed. You've already been washed by Christ. He's already knelt down. You weren't saved because you were awesome. I wasn't saved because I was such a great eighth grader. I was saved because I was such a horrible, sin-ridden person. And only Christ could do what I needed. So Christ is still stooping down and still washing people clean. He's still in his majesty, making a way for them to find Christ. So he comes to me and he's like, no way. And then Jesus just gives the brotherly love truth, the truth of the Messiah. If I do not wash you, you have no share in me. So what does that mean? The only people getting into heaven are those who are saved by grace through faith. There's no back door. There's no hiding in some bag getting smuggled across the border of heaven. There's no way you're getting in without confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart God raised him from the dead. So what does that mean? There are a lot of people walking around this world thinking they're clean and they're getting in and they're not. There are a lot of people that Jesus desires for us to help wash their feet so that they might find the saving grace. And then what, I love Peter's response because the dude is a, just a pendulum of emotion. It's incredible. His passion just sends him. And Jesus is like, look, you need the cleansing connection that only I can provide. 
So then he's just like, oh, you got no share of me. And then Peter just flips the switch and he's back and not my feet, but my hands and head. And you kind of think he's trying to like get in and like bathe in the basin, right? Like, can I just crawl in and you just baptize me again? Can you just put all of that on me? And he's like, look, 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 look. Then we get this good truth because Jesus is not only addressing those who aren't saved, but he's addressing those who are. Verse 10, he says, look, Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed doesn't need to be washed. This is great news for my kids, man. My kids love this. Dad, I had a bath 17 days ago. Don't judge me as a father. Wife was gone for a little bit. But right, we don't need a bath, we're just bathed. He goes, the one who's bathed doesn't need to be washed except for his feet, but he's completely clean. Well, I don't want to say that part yet. I'm going to focus on this. So here's what he says. So you're just like, look, man, what, what do I do as a Christian who's been saved by grace? And I know that Jesus died for all of my sin. I know that Jesus has forgiven me for my sin. I know that I'm a Christian, but what do I do when I sin or discover that there's sin in my life? And Christ says it's right, it's right here. You don't have to be re-saved. You just have to ask for that same forgiveness, right? You don't need your whole body to be clean. You don't need your whole soul to be cleansed. You just need that, that dirty part of you to be brought to Christ and forgiven. And you do that all the time, right? We, we do that all the time, right? You do something, you say something, you don't realize till a couple days later, oh man, that was wrong, and you go back and what? Apologize and ask for forgiveness, does it make it any less meaningful if that person had already forgiven you when you walked out the door? No. It still means meaningful because you're coming and doing it. So Christ is like, look, when you discover as a Christian that there is sin in your life, or you mess up, you stumble, you fall, or, or something, omission or commission of sin, then you just come to him and go, Lord, I'm sorry, my feet are dirty, to use the analogy. I need forgiveness and to be cleansed. And they go, I've got it. It's finished. Taken care of right? You're washed. So he, he gives this example too the, of what do we do with that and, and how do we handle that. So basically he's saying to the entire world, we all need Jesus's cleansing forgiveness. Is that not true? Is that not true? I mean, I do that to my kids all the time. I hear World War III happening upstairs with the three of them. I can hear it playing because the walls aren't super thin. And then something crazy happens that's wrong, right? It happens. I let them deal with it. Then I come upstairs and go, Where's the third one? There's only two. Who's, what happened? Where are they tied up, right? Like, what's going on? And then I'm like, and then it's just this symphony of crazy stories. I'm like, so, okay. And then I'm like, who do you want? And we finally get to the bottom of it. And then I'm like, all right, who's sorry for what? And then they start apologizing, right, for what they did. So Jesus is bringing this out here and going, look, we're... We're never beyond without asking forgiveness for the things that we do. And you guys know that as you get older, you just discover things and go, man, I'm sorry I shortchanged you there, Lord, or I'm sorry I missed that opportunity. There's lots of things. So, so this foot washing scenario makes sense because you have to handle both Judas and Peter in the same room. What do I do with the betrayer and what do I do with the one in which is the rock that the church is going to be built on? How, how do I handle that? What do I do when I live and work and, or live next to neighbors who, who are both that? I've got some Christian neighbors, but then I have neighbors that, that, that don't love Jesus. Betray him every day. How do I handle that? How do I get them in there? And this, this account of Jesus washing feet gets us there. So, so first, you must be born again. You must be washed by the cleansing, regenerating grace and the faith of Jesus Christ. That's where it all starts, right? Why are they clean? Because they followed the rules of the Pharisees? No, that just led them to the need to know they need to be clean. They're clean because they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Peter? Who do people say that I am? Jesus says, you're the Christ. You're the Christ. And he said, the only way you could have said that is because the Holy Spirit inside you told you to. 
So these guys saved, though not every one of them, Judas, as he's referencing. So salvation is the first place to start. It is always a place you want to find out with anyone that you meet where they are. It's like the number one thing I want to know about someone, right? I might use a question of commonality, favorite sports team, where do you work with you? But then after that, if I can have that conversation, you know, what is your relationship with Jesus? And I have a lot of creative ways to, to figure that out. But I just want to know, are you a Christian? Are you saved? Do you claim it? Let's, let's do that. So I want to know, kind of washing and cleansing, does Jesus need to provide for you? Kind of way does he need to do that? And that's how I can watch others feed by bringing them to Christ. And if they're like, I'm already a Christian, cool, we can do some work here. With that. If you're not a Christian, cool, Christ is going to do, has done the work. Why don't you just receive this free gift? So you start with salvation and a Christian. And then you have to, you, you have to look at this uh, passage here and you're just like, what in the world is going on with all of this? Not all of you are clean, but, but you are clean. I, I would also say in verse 10, um, and verse 10 is, is just probably one of the least put out there, but one of the greatest statements to ever be said uh, in the Bible, maybe, top 10. But what does Jesus say to Peter? And you are clean. What? Imagine you could sit with Christ and he's trying to wash your feet, but Jesus comes to you and just in full assurance says, you're saved. You're good. And I think it's good for us as Christians to remember that, that this is how Jesus sees you. Now, I know those fiery darts can find kinks in the armor. I know sometimes we can get tainted with the dirt of our sin or the consequences of others that washes upon us for their decisions. But man, when you come to Christ, he's like, look, you've already been washed. You're already clean. And I, I, I wonder how Peter responded in that moment if, he just, if it just blew by him. Kind of seems like it just blew by him, right? Like Jesus just said, you're clean. No, 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 let's move on. The head and everything, hands. Let's go crazy. Rest of the time, like, Peter, seriously, this guy, it's killing us. It's killing us. So he goes in there, and I, I just think it's good, and I, I really wanted to point that out because it just, it stood out to me as I studied and I walked into that because I was like, man, how good is that to hear from Jesus? And you know what? He is saying that to you if you're a Christian. If you are saved by grace through faith, if he's your Lord and Savior and Lord and teacher, it, this, that verse applies to you, you know? It really does. You look at Peter. This is the guy Jesus hugged and, and rebuked Satan because of Peter's mind. Actually called Peter that, but he still says you're clean. So that, I mean, that's a whole other message. Boy, I could just rabbit trail into that and we could go hunting all day long, but we won't. We won't. We gotta stay focused. But I just think, be encouraged by that, Christian, online or here in the room. I mean, that's, that's how Jesus sees you, right? That's how Jesus sees you. You got jelly on your face, go wipe it off. Some food in your teeth, get rid of it. But you still got teeth, still got a face, still got life. Just because there's jelly on your face or food in your teeth doesn't mean it makes you any less lovable in God's eyes. So washing one another's feet in faith is, this is the deed, faith and deeds commitment of a kingdom-minded Christian. Like your, your goal in your mind, however you need to do that in your brain until it's in your bones and in your heart and all of that stuff, is, is that's the mentality as you approach the day. And it's gonna be super hard to do this all the time because people are gonna wanna take advantage of it. The devil's gonna wanna take advantage of it. But it's the biblical response. Even if others say no, like Peter did, we still serve. We still wash feet. 
even if others are seeking to betray and take advantage of us, like Judas was doing in the midst, we still lead them to the cleansing and forgiving Jesus. Why? Because he did for Judas, he did for us, we should do for others. We, we should know and help them to understand. How better of a circumstance will they know um, the, the love of Christ, that they will know love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, unless we come into that moment where we're washing their feet. It's a Christian motto, if you will, or a slogan, right? Where you just say, man, what am I gonna do? I'm just, I gotta wash feet. I gotta wash feet. I've gotta bring people to the cleansing face. I've gotta humble myself low. I haven't even really touched on that. That would be a whole nother, really message series if you wanted to do, right? The creator is washing the feet of his creation, how crazy is that? Nowhere in our world is it structured that way. Nowhere. No other faith, no other religion, no other hierarchy, no other, no other job. Do you ever really see this structured in that way other than in the kingdom mentality and the execution of God's will? We're the highest of high. Because whose feet should we be washing, John the Baptist? Yours. In fact, John the Baptist said what? I can't even touch your shoes. Even if you had Velcro, I couldn't unvelcro your shoe. But well, you got sandals, so I can't even tie those. And this is the, the creator. And, and you, know when Jesus, you know this hit them like a bomb, because you can read it later in the, in the epistles and in the New Testament. When Jesus goes, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will later, you can see that. You imagine Peter kick back or, or Thomas or James and John going, I, I can't believe that Jesus did that for us. The Messiah, the teacher and Lord Knelt down, touched my nasty feet. Have you seen Matthew's toenails? That's insane. And he did that for us. And then that immediately takes him where? To the cross, because this happens that Thursday night before. I mean, it's, uh, you know they're just sitting there like, boo. And then their soul begins to explode. Well, if the creator who speaks everything to existence can do that, then I can do it for the Galatians. I can do it for the Colossians and the Ephesians. I can do it for the Jews still struggling with Jesus. I can do it for a neighbor that hates me, from an ex that won't talk to me, from my kids that are spinning out of control, my boss who just doesn't even know. I can do that for them because he did for us first. It's unreal. And it just, it never goes away. You can't deny that he did that, and it rolls into your salvation experience, but also to know that, that Christ humbles himself in such a great way as that. So why is it so very important for Jesus to wash you clean? Because he's the only one who can. He's the only one who can. Jesus Christ is the only one who can save you from sin, protect you from the devil and the evil schemes. He had already put into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus that night. Judas saw the Last Supper, Jesus saw Jesus, he, he experienced the foot washing, and still, you can't just be around Jesus. Jesus' presence has to be in you in the form of the Holy Spirit. It's not just enough to know about him, but to be known by him in every sense that exists. So he washes feet. He, he gives this intimate deal. Right, and he even goes into this to help us some more in verses like 13 through 17 are incredible. How he must do is Easter 10. And in a rare example where Jesus is with these guys, he goes, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. And you know they're just sitting there, 
probably mouths open. Like, well, some of them are probably like, I'm glad I didn't say what Peter said because then I look like a goof. Because we know what was happening in the beginning, right? Remember the more of the crater context? Luke 22 tells us what? They were arguing who was the greatest before this happened. I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. Remember James and John totally co-opt their mom? Like, mom, go ask Jesus if we can sit at his right and left. I mean, that's bold, right? And Jesus is like, verse one and two, man, I love those of mine that are in the world and I'm gonna love them to the end. Unfazed by their clamoring for what the trinkets of the kingdom may be. And he comes to them and he says, you're right, you call me teacher and Lord. And if then your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, you can already feel it coming, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And they're like, hmm. Remember who's still sitting in the room? Remember who's still sitting in the room? Judas. We already know from John and some of the other gospels that Judas was stealing from the disciples' money purse. The Bible tells us that. So they're looking over there. Then they're looking at Thomas going, this guy doubts everything. That poor guy. A question in all kinds of stuff. Nathaniel just says what's on his mind. Right? Just blurts out the truth. No tact, no filter. I'm going to watch his feet. And it's crazy. And he tells them this in order to capture the, the example that exists. You ought to do it. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. And then he starts turning it, right? He just starts turning because you start to ask the question, well, then why don't we do foot washings like we do communion and baptisms? Because Jesus says we do this as I have, and he explains it more here in 16. The servant is not greater than his master or is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Blessed are you if you do them. So he goes, look, this is, this is the analogy and example that I'm giving you. You are to go and share the message of Christ in a low position, humbled, serving way, no matter what junk people's got going on in their life. Because you know what? You brought a lot of junk to the throne when you were saved. Christ redeemed and transformed that. And we still discover that in us, which we come back and ask for forgiveness, and he redeems and he redoes. He redeems our speech and our thought life, redeems what we think, how we act. All the time he's doing that. When we blow it, don't even know it, he's up there. They're like, here's the thousands of days in which you lived. Here's the number of days that you blew it. I forgave all those, right? I did that. Here's what you did to get you into heaven. Nothing. Jesus did, right? So you're getting all of this example in the servant to be great, and he's saying like, look, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do this thing so that others may see and know. So then what you do is you allow the Holy Spirit to give you the discernment to go what does it mean when I am washing feet where I work, where I worship, where I live, and where I recharge myself? What does that look like? Now, if you're in the spa business, that's going to be a little easier to do because you'll probably literally touch feet. But if you're not in the spa business, then you've got to ask as a boss, as an employee, as a whatever, husband, wife, kid, grandkid, parents. It doesn't matter if they believe in Jesus or not. That's the goal. Why? Because it softens the heart and it opens the door for them to go, why are you doing this thing? You start touching feet. People are going to be like, will you touch my feet? Just like Peter did. You start serving people in a way and they're going to go, why are you doing this? What's your angle? What do you want? I don't have anything to give to you. What's the purpose? So you go, here it is. This is the reason. This is what Christ did for me. So I'm going to do it for you so that you might know that he's Lord and teacher because he is rightly so that. 
And you bring that to him. He's both the example from Jesus and Jesus himself. So now remember, if you're, um, remember your salvation. If you're already saved, you only need your feet clean, right, is the example. You just got to handle with that thing you're still growing in in the journey of faith. If you're not a Christian, then, then that's what they need. They need that cleansing in that, and you help them through that. What did Jesus do? He, he was around the table. They were reclining. Man, I didn't even get into all that. They didn't have chairs in Jesus' day. They reclined on big pillows. That kind of sounds cool. But what does that mean? Where do your feet go? Only two places. Near the food and the dude next to you's head. Thomas, get your feet away from my face. This is how we recline, right? So he takes all of that, and, and Jesus sees that need, which no one had met. Isn't that interesting? That every time they went into a house, those disciples knew you got your feet washed because that was a respectful thing to do. Yet no disciple in this moment stood up to do that. So Jesus does and goes, look, you're going to see needs in people's lives. And you gotta wash their feet and help them to come to Christ. Even if they resist, you just hit them with it. They have no part of Jesus. You're gonna miss out on all these good things and blessings that God's got for you in your weaknesses and in your strengths if you deny him. There are disastrous results both in eternity and in this world when you deny Christ. So just please let me wash your feet and let me see. And if they're Peter, praise the Lord. If they're Judas, pray for them in all of those things. Jesus has shown us this example. That's what he's done for us. He has shown us the example of servant humility with the greatest message ever, to live out the love for God. Remember, this all comes from him knowing that he's going back to the Father. You are too. Praise the Lord. This isn't the last of your existence. As a Christian, you're going to heaven. So let's make the most of what we've got here. Let's just sell out all the way out, give it all out for him. We know, yeah. We exist to bring God glory and make disciples. That's why we exist. That is the biblical truth of your existence, to bring God glory, praise and credit, and make disciples. And the commitment to, quote unquote, wash others' feet, to serve them so they see Christ more, at the point of sacrifice, at the point of humiliation and humbleness in your life so that they would see small price to pay. Let them jeer in your face like Peter did to Jesus. Like Peter did to Jesus. Let them do that so that they may know it. So based on this message, what can we do to become more like Jesus? Let's talk about our worship here for a second. You need to be cleansed by Christ. Have your sins forgiven by the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian here today, don't just loophole this out and go, oh, whew, I'm already saved. See if there's any unclean way and impure thing in you like David said in the Psalms. But be cleansed by Christ. Be saved online. Turn to him. Call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved, Joel 2.32. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. And just get that dirtiness of sin out and away to be forgiven by Jesus. When it comes to community, this is important. To go where others are, when it comes to community, to go where others are that need Jesus. Everyone is someone Jesus can or has saved. You know what makes it extremely hard um, to wash feet? If, you're, if there are no feet to wash. You fortify yourself into your own spiritual growth and you're never out where others are that need Jesus. Then you will never have the opportunity to wash feet so that they might be saved or become more like Christ in the way and example that you show them. So that means you're gonna have to be around some dirty feet. You're gonna have to. 
You're going to need to be where they are. And like Jesus did, intentionally gather people around your dinner table maybe or wherever you recharge your neighborhood or in worship or, or where you work so that you have that chance to do that. So go where others are that need Jesus. Here's a great way to serve. Actually wash feet. <laughs> we must. You ought to. I mean, he says it there. And it's not like, oh, if you get around to it or if feet happen to fall in front of you and you're like, squish, 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 squish. Okay, they're done. Not that. He's like, you must, you ought to. We are to be serving messengers of Christ on a daily basis. It should be less programmed and more passioned. Does that make sense? That this is just who you are, not what you do on a calendar date. It's just always coming out of you. How do I wash feet? How do I do that? Allow the Holy Spirit to figure out the intricacies and, and, and don't let the devil try to discourage you in that and go, oh, this isn't a moment or what about this tale? Do you just follow the Holy Spirit in this? He will let you know how to do that. And finally, multiplication. Now we get other people washing other people's feet in the name of Christ. Other Christians serving others in such a way that it hurts. It's sacrificial and then it's hard. We must show Christ's love for others through the humility of serving. It prepares a heart to be blessed by God. What you don't see here is the disciples questioning in any moment that Jesus loves them which is a kind of a filter for us when we go and we approach that, when you do that, just to make sure that when you're going into this, that people know that this is something that's coming out of love and maybe you have to tell them like Jesus did for Peter. But, but I think that's really the push there, that we must show the love of Christ to others through humility of serving, to, 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 to do that. I mean, that's the way. Who's first in the kingdom of God? Last. He even says it here. Hey, look, I know you're gonna thank it. I know the American Christians in 2022 are going to think it. They are not greater than their master. They are not greater than their teacher. And if he did this, then we should too.